This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Caroline's Coffee, hand-roasted coffee from the foothills of California's gold country. Online at carolinescoffee.com. Before we get started with this episode of Homeschooling in Real Life, I just wanted to remind you that we love to hear from you. And one of the easiest ways you can do that is to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can leave us the good, the bad, the ugly, the crazy, whatever you would like to tell us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, There's a link in our show notes. If you're listening on a, a mobile device or a smartphone, just click on the screen. You'll get a link right over to iTunes where you can log in and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it if you would do that for us. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Join your hosts as they dive into difficult topics that you might not find covered at your local homeschooling convention. Veteran homeschooling parents Andy and Kendra Fletcher use humor, honesty, and grace to discuss just what it looks like to homeschool in real life. Hey, Kendra. Yes, Fletch. You know what I was just doing? No, Fletch. I was on Pinterest. No, Fletch. You were? (laughs) No, actually I wasn't. But that's something everybody says nowadays. This is Fletch. And this is Kendra. We want to welcome you to episode 127 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast, The Desperate Need to Get It Right, or as I would probably subtitle this one, Young Homeschool Moms Who Spend Too Much Time on Pinterest. Uh, (laughs) Now, I use Pinterest as a really helpful tool, but... Yes. I'm talking about the negative I side. I know of it. that like pit of the stomach dropping. Oh my goodness. I never cut out little cat ear cucumbers for my kids' lunches. <laughs> and oh, I should be doing that. Yeah. So that is what we're talking about. That general idea. This, the desperate need to get it right. And maybe just competition or perceived competition or mom guilt. Mom guilt, all that. Yeah. So, hey, before we get into that. Let's talk about what's going on around here. First, we need to apologize. If you hear ambient noise in the background on this episode, we're going to let it roll because yeah. normally we have a very quiet studio and uh, we have we, we plan out time to do this recording, but we are in the middle of everything this week. We have, what, Thanksgiving break and yep. we have a college kid coming home. Yep. We're packing, we're packing, 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 which our house. it's, it's no big deal until you get to the rooms like the, our office or um, our closet. And then you have to go through every item and decide whether to keep it or take or, it yeah, with you. So it's just so We're going to talk about this in another episode. Maybe our fluff next week, we'll talk about this a little bit more because we're going to be talking about family devotions. But um, we have a great big fun weekend planned. Like, I, like we said, our, our second son is coming home from college with his fiance. We're about a month away from the wedding. I am sitting here enjoying some Caroline's coffee. That's a oh, soft nice. little plug. Hey, you know what I just drink? What? I just drink about, a li- well, just a little taster of a local dairy's eggnog. Tis the season. Oh, yeah. It came in a glass jar. Are you team eggnog? I am team. Uh, are you kidding me? I talk about this all the time. And you do? why no. is it? Yes, everybody I do. says what you talk about all the time is everybody's going to say it. Apples. 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 Yeah, well, people have mentioned that. No, okay. So I talk about apples. Yep. Talk about sex. And I talk about 
eggnog in <laughs> Christmas time because I always ask the question: Is an egg the only thing you can nog? Yes. Because I think, can you have celery nog? Can you have? A, I know there's other gross ones, but I'm just wondering: Can you nog a lot of other things? Okay, so eggnog. You're team eggnog. Are you team? Um... I'm team nutmeg on the eggnog. Oh, you are. And I'm team brandy in the eggnog. Ew. Yes. Serious eggnog. Okay, so one of my well, friends, yeah. hot bottom room too. <laughs> yeah, friend in real life. Um, posted on Facebook today that they have been curing an eggnog for the past year. Oh, really? And they're opening it today to try it. Okay, so that I'm not into. <laughs> that It sounds experimental, and I, I don't like experimental egg She's things. one of your favorite cooks. I'm thinking it could be really awesome, or it, they'll be dead. <laughs> okay, if she's one of my favorite cooks, then that's good. It could be that then. I'm I'm on board for that. Yeah. But if it's just some homeschool mom, say, I, like my thought was, what? How do you know it's not going to kill you? Right. That's <laughs> that's that thin line. I know. But like I said, I'm staying very conservative. With I know Caroline's coffee is not going to kill me. Yeah. I want you. I just want you to hear the name of this one: Organic okay. Rainforest Alliance Blue Krishna Balinese. That's a mouthful. Wow. I know. I don't even know how to order that when I go there. So just give Krishna is in Hari Krishna. Yeah, I guess so. But it's uh, wow. from it's from Bali. Uh, but oh. it's organic. Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of things. <laughs> no, but I'm doing a lot <laughs> of things them out that at the you would think I wouldn't <laughs> do. I'm drinking organic coffee. Like that just seems so urban hipster. Yeah, and that's not me. So anyhow, but that's what that is the coffee of the week. If you want some, head over to CarolinesCoffee.com. Use our code H I R L. Get ten percent off. Um, what else going on? What's going on with you, young lady? You're melting away in front of me. Uh, oh, yeah. I have almost lost 20 pounds since wow. September. Um, but the reason for that, if you are a friend of mine on Facebook, you know that um, I've had a rough health season this year, including panic attacks and some other awful things. And um, so it was time to get really serious and take a nutritional approach um, and it's completely turned everything around for me. And then in the meantime, I've lost almost 20 pounds. Yeah, I'm down 30. It's awesome. I mean, we're wasting away 50 here. Pa- I think we've lost more than one of our children weighs Well, you, entirely. I told you today, you uh, are starting to look like um, marriage, Kendra. <laughs> hey, actually, let's see. Let me think. I'm not too far. Not too far. I'm so far away from marriage, Fletch, from yeah, just so yeah. you know. Okay. I don't even remember marriage fletch but probably i probably saved one of the shirts or something anyhow <laughs> so um yeah we have a uh, thanksgiving weekend and just so much spinning around um these are the kind of things that set mighty joe off yeah when there's something exciting mm. we've heard about well we heard about halloween the whole month of october and now thanksgiving we i have been told every single day what we're doing for thanksgiving mm-hmm. so in his little mind mm-hmm. that struggles with this sometimes he is just singularly focused mm-hmm. on that and then my big brother's and, coming home right so I, we all we're just reaching out to all you special needs parents who understand this or those of you with two-year-olds because it's essentially the same thing in our house yeah. <laughs> it's mighty joe or a two-year-old it's laser vision yeah and so um it's this is a hard time I, I don't think i realized that until we had our own our very own child with special needs that uh the the potential for meltdown over the holidays is is just Every day, yeah, and that it, that doesn't help when mm-hmm. grandparents who are excited for right. a, a holiday come in with excitement also, but yeah. then can't handle the, the off the wall meltdown. So yeah, right. our uh, our hearts, our thoughts go out to you folks that are dealing with this as well. Now, as far as this topic, do you want to move on into our subject? Let's do this because I love this interview. There's so much good meat here. 
just a real good discussion of um, that desperate need to get it right. Mm-hmm. So why don't we take a break from us and we'll head right over to that interview. Right, so we are. I am going to have to do the impossible today. Is what I want to start this interview with. I have four women that I'm going to need to control during an interview, and I don't mean control. I just mean try and ride this wave like a Hawaiian surfer with everybody talking at four different locations. Oh my goodness! You're just intimidated. My editing job is going to be crazy. I am. We're sitting down with three of the seven sisters from SevenSistersHomeschool.com. And uh, actually, there's only six sisters, I've come to find out. They're also uh, on the Homeschool High School podcast, which is on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network that we belong to. So I would like to welcome to our podcast, Sabrina Justison, Kim Smythe, and Vicki Tillman. Ladies, welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. I, I'm going to start one at a time. I'd just like you to let our audience know a little bit about who you are, who your family is, and how you fit into the homeschooling community. So let's start with Sabrina. Okay. I am a mom and stepmom in a blended family. Brad and I have seven kids among us, between us, around us, (laughs) on top of us, whatever. And uh, they range now in age from the baby is 19 and goes up into mid-30s. And the four youngest, I homeschooled K through 12. And the three oldest were in parochial school. And where I am now is um, trying to take some of the stuff that I did for the last 20 years and share it with some other younger homeschool moms so they don't have to do it alone. Awesome. And what about you, Kim? Let's see. I have four children. Uh, My oldest is 25. And then I have a 22-year-old who will be graduating with his bachelor's and a pair of 19-year-old twins who are sophomores in college and play ice hockey for their school. We homeschooled. Everybody went to public school kindergarten by their own choice. And my oldest went up through third grade, and she was actually the rabble rouser who came home from brownies one night and said, Mom, I'd really appreciate it if you would home educate me. And I said, oh, would you really? (laughs) And so I was, my background is, is as a teacher, and my husband works for our local school district. So we took a little time and a little prayer and talked to a lot of folks, and we decided to try it and stick with it as long as it worked, and everybody homeschooled all the rest of the way through. Well, I like that they gave the kindergartner choice to go to school, because I think every kid in our family would be like, a big yellow bus? For a day away? Yes. <laughs> right. They would all vote for that. I would vote for it now. Are you kidding me? Nap time? <laughs> oh, they loved it. <laughs> and uh, Vicki, how about you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? So I have been a homeschool mom all the way through with my kids. My oldest is a PhD in philosophy, so he's, he's not a kid anymore. And my youngest is a junior in college. He's a music education major. And... Uh, so we homeschooled and loved every minute of it most days. And I also served in the local homeschool community as the academic advisor for the upperclassmen 
So we had a, a lot of involvement in the homeschool world around us uh, because we love homeschooling. So then today I serve as a counselor. Actually, I was a working mom also uh, while we homeschooled our kids. So I've always been a counselor for decades and have been doing career coaching now also for the last couple of years because I keep seeing the need with our kids graduating and needing a little hand up in their career decisions. Well, that is great. And I want to thank you guys again for joining us. Um, we are going to be talking today about the desperate need to get it right. Or I don't know, I, I feel like this one should be uh, subtitled Homeschooling in the Age of Pinterest. Kendra, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably quite accurate. Yeah. But back when we all started, because I think you all started about the same time we did, we we began in 1997. So does that ring true or pretty close to where you guys mm-hmm. have all been? And I felt a tremendous pressure back then. And I that's where we want to go today with this conversation. I, I would love to hear for you three, where did the pressure feel like it came from when you began homeschooling? For me, when I started out, it was 1995, and the desperate need to get it right came primarily from what I thought was um, in the Bible and in the church. I saw a lot of homeschooling families in our local community, and I was um, quite certain that if God called a family to homeschool, because I, I didn't believe that that everybody was supposed to homeschool, but that if he called you to homeschool, then this was your calling in life and you got a chance to do it really well. And you were raising these little people who were eventually going to be big people. And that was a heavy, heavy responsibility. And so I felt this like eternal weight of you know, God called me to this, so I'd better not disappoint him because that would be really embarrassing for all of us. Um, and the community and and church environments that I was in, it was um, a very, I'm trying to say this carefully, there was a certain way that you were supposed to look. There was a certain way your family was supposed to be. I'd never actually owned a denim jumper, but a lot of my friends did. <laughs> And um, you were supposed to can, you know, and I like the year that I canned strawberry jam, I gave my family food poisoning. Like, it's just not, it wasn't me. So I felt like there was a picture of how it looked and that it was God's picture. And so I'd better become whatever that picture was, or I was disappointing him with the calling that he had on my life. I, we came out at it a very different angle from Sabrina. Um, I, we were the only people that we knew in our church that homeschooled. So for us, um, and we were not homeschooling for primarily religious reasons. We were homeschooling because said third grader came home and said, please home educate me. Um, So some of our pressure came from the fact that we were, uh, that my husband worked for the school district that we lived in. Um, And for the most part, people there were really gracious and very curious and interested and supportive. Uh, but there was certainly an element of pressure there. And on the certain day of the year when they count up all the students to figure out their funding, the superintendent would always walk into Doug's office and put his arm around Doug and say, Doug, just give them to me for one day. I'll go buy them whatever lunchbox they want. Just give them one, give me one day. (laughs) Um, So there was a lot of, um, a lot of 
looking in from the outside, we really, we knew of a lot of people who homeschooled, but we didn't really know people who homeschooled. Um, our friend groups were not homeschoolers. So there was this idea that we were sort of um, like real fish out of water and, and people were kind of looking at us to say, is this really a good idea and how is this going to work? Um, and then there was a little bit of pressure from, um, certainly from within ourselves, like we didn't want to screw up our kids. And we really actually took a good bit of time to say, what, what are we doing to the culture that it's important to, our, to us for our kids to have diversity in their lives and to be a part of a diverse community? And so if we take them out and we start homeschooling, are we um, narrowing our kids' experience and how are we going to keep that rich? So that's, uh, those, those were our multifaceted pressure points. And Vicki? So I'll, I'll, I'll give my age away a little bit. So in the days when we started homeschooling, there wasn't Pinterest and there wasn't Facebook. And uh, there was the Great Christian Books catalog. And it had all the homeschool <laughs> curriculum in it. And if you don't get the right curriculum, you're not going to homeschool your kids right. So that that catalog, you know, guilting me constantly uh, was the, uh, the big pressure for me in the early days. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. This is Felice Gerwitz with Vintage Homeschool Moms. After listening to Fletch and Kendra, you're invited to Vintage Homeschool Moms, where I discuss everything from academics to marriage to planning and making life easier for hectic homeschool families. You can find Vintage Homeschool Moms on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network or by searching for us on iTunes. So if, you know, I'm I'm listening to all you guys respond here, and I know what Kendra's answers are. We have kind of internal pressures, external pressures, uh, church, uh, curriculum. What about today, ladies? What? What are the issues today uh, as you are, you know, maybe helping young homeschool moms get started? What are those pressures that they're facing today that says um, this is why you have to get it right? Are they have they changed at all or are they same? I would say that they are the same, but they're different. Um, I think at the core, they're the same because it's all about fear of not measuring up and comparing ourselves to what everybody else is doing and being afraid that we're failing by comparison. And um, one of the things that I remember being afraid of was that I didn't have enough resources. We were on such a shoestring budget. And um, I was making up curriculum as I went along, you know, so much. And now, sometimes I feel bad for the moms who have way too many ideas, because their Pinterest boards are overflowing. And um, instead of them feeling like they're having to make something up from scratch, they feel bombarded with there are 5 million awesome ways to do this unit study. And if I don't manage to incorporate all of it, my kids are losing out and I'm not doing this sufficiently. So in a way it's the same, but it's kind of like the flip side. There's almost like this glut of um, options and ideas that then I think can be, can be overwhelming. And in some cases just, just flat out paralyzing, um, for people not even knowing how to get started. I frequently talk to younger moms who will say, 
well, I know that the this and the this and the this and the this and the this, and they'll rattle off 15 different curricula that they've either talked to people or seen online or whatever. And I remember being the opposite. I can remember coming into sixth grade and saying, so what are my options for math at this point? Because this is where I started to struggle with math when I was a kid. So I'm not sure what my options are, you know. And now it's the opposite. There's there's so many options that then they feel hugely pressured that they're going to pick the wrong one. All right. So the pressures today, of course, are the same in that there's always more stuff than a person can buy. And there's always somebody with a more perfect household than yours. And especially with the uh, the pressures of Pinterest and Facebook and all, there's somebody that just looks better on the outside, at least the little glimpse they're showing on, uh, on Facebook. But the, uh, I think the biggest pressure that the young families that I work with have been showing me is that they're so absolutely terrified of outcomes that if my kid doesn't start doing middle school work in elementary school, and if they're not doing algebra by seventh or eighth grade, and if they're not scoring a perfect score on the SATs in high school, that somehow they have blown it. You know, we haven't done it right. And so there's always this fear of the future. You know, the Fletchers kind of talk about living in fear. You know, there's this fear of the future that, oh, my gosh, you know, we've got to be making the future happen now and get it right so that when we get to the future, we've already shown, you know, we've got this outcome of perfect children that had full ride scholarships to college. And uh, I, I think the world has become much more pressure oriented in that way than uh, my older kids were when they were young, you know, going through elementary school. We didn't, we were just trying to get curriculum, I think. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And, and what I'm seeing too in the homeschool movement over the last 20 years, I just feel like these um, young moms coming in, they look at me and they just say, okay, just tell me, you know, just show me what, what do I need to do? Or what's the best this, or what's the best that? And I think, Uh-oh. whoa, <laughs> we've got so many variables here and your family's not mine and your home is not mine. And so is that, that's the kind of thing we're seeing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So, so God made them all to be different and it's good for each child and each family to be different and to live life honorably right now and let God handle the future. So as we start to homeschool, maybe we get a little more comfortable in our own skin and we, we start to see like, oh, I actually can teach this child to read and I'm, I'm not a complete loser at this. And I, I'm, I can impress my in-laws with a child who's uh, verbal and can write a sentence completely with correct punctuation, etc. So as, as we go along here, um, I do remember hitting sort of a, a freak out wall when my oldest became an eighth grader and we were just around the corner from high school. So how do you gals see this, this kind of pressure to get things really right? How does that begin to change and morph into junior high and high school? I think there's a lot of ways that it begins to morph. Um, So I'll I'll pick one and then um, the other sisters can come up with whatever they like. One of the things that I observe is that the illusion of control slips away. And I I say illusion because um, we don't really have that control, even when they're in third grade or kindergarten or whatever. Um, But there is a sense of us being able to control the outcome that Vicki was talking about. 
and um, we have we have a sense of our little ones as extensions of ourselves, and we can do more as far as sort of shaping and and limiting behavior. And then they really start to think for themselves on a whole new level when those hormones kick in around puberty. And there, is, there are these moments where they say or do something that just blindsides you. And um, I think that it's, it's this nasty sense of, okay, I am still responsible for this child. This child is still a child, but this is a very much less controllable um, age. And yeah, I think, I think we still feel that responsibility, but the illusion of control gets shattered. Oh, <laughs> you just sort of hit it all right on the head for me. Um, there is this thought, and I think so many of us homeschooling moms, because we take on the homeschooling, we're, we're sort of bushwhacking kind of women, or we're women who feel like we're capable and we can do this. And I think sometimes okay. that then turns into, then I can create this kid who really <sighs> goes into college, you know, at the top of the heap and, and all these things. And, and there is a sense of feeling like we can control the outcome. And I think those are super wise words. Thank you. I also think it's a good idea for those who have um, you know, find out that it doesn't work that way to actually be honest and speak out loud about it. Um, so -hmm. that people can also see the other side, like, Hey, you know what? Um, you might do everything you think is right. And, uh, kind of like, um, Vicky was saying earlier, uh, the results are in God's hands to begin with. And if you start there, then when things all blow up, you know, you realize that your hope was never in homeschooling. Your hope's always been in God. And now your hope is going to be in God even more as you watch something go the way you didn't want it to go. Yeah. And, you know, I know I already had my turn, but uh, I, I'm at this point in my life where all of my kids are adults now. And I recently said to Vicki, joking, kind of, sort of, that I think that our best advice is put your kids in public public school for at least a little while so that if they become adults and do something that humiliates you, you'll have somebody to blame. Because, you know, I, I got nobody but me. <laughs> you know, as they really do make choices that are not the choices I would have them make. Well, and even academically, I think, you know, there I have a couple of kids with really horrible handwriting. I have an adult son with who his handwriting looks like he's five still. And, and I think, Oh, if I had only used italic or Getty Dubay, if I had only, <laughs> if it only really sat with him and worked on this and, and yet I did, we did all of that. Like <laughs> I can trace back to how much we worked on that handwriting. And, you know, had he been in school, I could have said, gosh, that school ages were terrible about their handwriting. <laughs> But we, you know, we, we just quickly blame ourselves for that when, in fact, he probably will always, always was just going to have bad handwriting. So anyone else want to jump in on that question? Oh, uh, when they're younger, I felt like it was, okay, so I'm going to teach them how to do things and I'm going to teach them, them information. Um, and for me, it's always been... Uh, that wonderful quote and that wonderful image about, you know, education should be less like filling a bucket and more like lighting a fire. All right. So as I uh, go on to this, we're, we're going to try and get some information for our listeners now. Um, the best advice from three of the seven sisters. 
So uh, your best advice for our listeners on what to do if they feel right now they are stuck in this spot of needing to get it right. What would you say to them if they're listening and saying, oh, this has been a breath of fresh air? Okay, well, I'm going to give you a groovy little sound bite that somebody shared with me actually recently, and it has just been so good. I, I like black and white in life, and that has been a source of tremendous pressure to get it right for me. You know, find out what the right thing is and then do it. And there's just more and more and more of life that is gray. It's not black and white. And there are lots of good possibilities in front of me. And that discernment to, to choose one is only going to come from God. And it's not a, a one-size-fits-all right thing. But boy, that gray space makes me uncomfortable. So I had a friend say to me, yeah, but Sabrina, where the gray is, is where the grace is. That if all we needed was black and white, then we would have just needed the law. We would have never needed Jesus. And we certainly wouldn't need the ongoing moment to moment presence of God in our lives because we could figure out the right thing on our own. But to to give yourself permission to live in those gray places and those uncomfortable places of decision making, because that is where grace is. Um, yeah, actually, my my favorite piece of advice actually um, came from a college graduation that I went to. And here's this uh, new college president who stood up. Uh, his name is Mark Brainerd. I feel like I have to give him credit. Um, and he so here we are at a secular community college graduation and the man stands up and talks about how beautiful God has been in directing the path um, through his life and has taken him in what he felt like were very different directions and led him what now looks like a beautiful straightforward path to where he is and he says God draws straight with crooked lines so back to Vicky's point of not having to get it right all the time. And as we often say on the Homeschool High School podcast, there's there's um, not one right not one way. one right way to homeschool. So I was trying oh, to do Vicky. our echo. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so really, uh, you know, back to that God is in charge, that, that really God is going to use whatever choices we make, whatever choices our children make, whatever homeschooling choices we make and all those rich experiences. And he's not going to lose or waste any of it. Um, so sometimes we just need to chill and trust him. So the uh, echo with Kim that there is not one right way to homeschool, that if families can just enjoy their children and have a good time homeschooling, look for the good days and create good moments and invest in their interests, then that's the right way for them. And God can handle the outcomes. That is probably the best thing we could end on. Um, and I love this idea that if we can listen closely to what God is trying to show us and tell us, um, we really can't fail. We can't get it wrong. Right. Amen. All right, you three, you guys did great today. I was able to keep everybody talking, you know, at their own time. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, um, it's like they're pros. Like I they know. know what they're it's doing. I think like they know what they're doing. If, if our listeners <laughs> want to find you online, um, one of you can speak up and let us know, where to direct people. Sabrina? 
You can find us at sevensistershomeschool.com, where you'll find blog posts and curriculum and video blogs. And you can also find us at the Homeschool High School podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hey, thanks for letting me be the one brother in the room today. That was awesome. You are. You are our brother. Um, you know, <laughs> this uh, This was great. And you know what we'll do for our listeners? We'll put um, uh, links in our show notes for them to get right on over to your site. Uh, but again, if you're listening to this uh, and it's it's after the show, you can go right to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. You can find um, their show connected right next to ours. And uh, we really want to encourage our listeners to head on over and give a listen uh, to your show as well. Thank you three so much for being on the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. It's been great. Well, how many times will it take for me to get right? Well, again, great interview. We always want to thank our guests for being on our show. But can I ask you a personal question? Of course you may. How are you doing with this? Desperate need to get it right. Have you just given it up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wonder. Up. I wonder no. if some of our listeners can sense that in us. Mm. Like, hey, we've we've put up the flag. We no longer want to. Um, you know, the idealism, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah, that I all think it's the in. idealism, or or just this thought that we can do. We can be all things in all areas, um, and that's what's really hard, you have to lay some things down. And I think a lot of us women in particular get a little bit farther into our adult years before we realize I cannot do all these things well. And I need to really ask God to help me figure out what are the most important things um, that we do well here. So me being a project oriented, uh, you know, I love projects. And so I have to focus on relationship and say, you know, we didn't get all of our history lessons done this week, but we did this instead. We had rich discussion um, for the, yeah. for lessons one and two. And uh, we took rabbit trails that were meaningful to the kids. Uh, and so we didn't get that third lesson done. It's okay. I yeah. didn't get it right, but I got it right in areas that were more important. Now, let me speak just for a moment to the dads who think they need to get this right. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've got to do the, I've got to create this perfect environment or I'm going to put up the perfect walls to thus provide or thus get what I want out of this. And so I see this from a dad's perspective. I mean, first I see the perspective of guys, um, you know, we, we need to sometimes step in and say, it's okay. Let this one go. You know, I think we just need to be that second set of eyes. Yes. Here's the bigger picture. You are focusing in on this narrow topic, subject, dis- disappointment. Let's back up and say, hey, honey, family, here's the big picture. We're doing great. We're, we're right on track. Or mm-hmm. you're, you think you're off, but you're not. You really need to realize that this is God's thing to begin with. Yeah. This is not your thing Yeah. Um, for a dad's perspective. So just anyhow. So um, next week we have a great show. We, I know we'd have a great show because we already have it wrapped up. Marty Machowski. We're talking about family devotions. Yes, yeah, exciting stuff too. And if you don't know who he is, you should probably take a peek right now. Just search him online, find some of his devotions. But we're going to talk about it in detail next week and really encourage you on how family devotions can be enjoyable, something that you want to go back to as a parent, not just your kids. 
So we'll spend time with him. But in the meantime, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear your opinions, your thoughts, because they do matter to us. And the best way to do that is to go to iTunes and leave a review. Just tell us what you think. Um, we, I actually listen. I read every review that comes in. I listen to your advice. You know, for, at the beginning, people used to talk about the sound. I made huge changes in our production, bought better microphones, and really improved the sound. But you know, if you feel like there's a topic you want us to go down, you can do it there. Or you can email us. Info at homeschoolingirl.com. Those emails come to both of us, so Kendra and I both read those. Yes. I'm, I'm the one that tends to scavenge iTunes. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, Also, if you want to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash homeschoolingirl. Or if you just want to send us a kind little note, you have the email, you have Facebook, facebook.com slash homeschoolingirl. You can tweet to us at homeschoolirl. If they want to reach you on Twitter and hear what's going on with your life, maybe they want to follow a mom who knows she's not getting it all right. (laughs) How would they do that? I'm at Kendra E. Fletcher. And if you want to hear more about apples or more about what you can and cannot nog during the Christmas season, you can follow me at the Mango Times. All right, Fletch, let's wrap this up and... We will see you next week. This is Sabrina Justison, Vicki Tillman, Kim Smythe from SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Homeschool High School Podcast. You have been listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Everything on this show was written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. You can find out more about this show at Homeschooling IRL at Homeschooling IRL at HomeschoolingIRL.com or by searching for them wherever you download your podcast. Wherever you download your podcast.